This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. Welcome to the Buckets and Tea NBA show. I'm your host, Captain Niker. Thanks so much for tuning into this week's episode. So today I have a very special guest. She is a broadcaster for the National Lacrosse League, as well as NBA Raptors TikToker, and just truly one of my favorite people. It's Ashley Docking. How you doing? Oh my gosh, so good after that intro. Like it made me sweat <laughs> a little bit. You guest is a lot of pressure. Oh my god. <laughs> you know, I also like. I really just was winging that intro, and I feel bad. Like I really should have asked you. Like, what would you like me to That's say? Okay. And I didn't do that. No, it's fine. I think it was great. I think it encapsulated who I am. Um, what I stand for and (laughs) (laughs) my heart and soul. Yeah, I fully captured your whole essence. My essence, yes. In one sentence. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, I absolutely love that. Okay, we're going to get into some fun NBA hot topics and get into some Raptor stuff, Kyle's return, all that good stuff. But uh, I wanted to first talk about this really fun Bleacher Report article about uh bold things that could happen this season maybe before the trade deadline right and uh one of the fun ones that i thought would be fun to discuss is the atlanta hawks sorry wow okay producer lee edit that out uh the atlanta hawks going all in for anthony davis so there's been a lot of talk about the lakers having to trade for Anthony Davis or, you know, getting rid of LeBron and moving on. But they're saying that the Lakers could receive John Collins and uh, Onyeka Okongwu. I should know Okongwu. Uh, Justin Holiday and a 2023 first round pick mm-hmm. in exchange for him, which I think sounds like a fun deal. Right. You know, I I guess, like, for me, I just think the Lakers are too proud to make a deal like that at this stage, mm-hmm. right? So they were god-awful. You go back to even the last two years that Kobe played for them, the Nick Young era, the Contavious Caldwell, Caldwell Pope era, the Lonzo Ball era, like – they were not good for a really long time. Even the first year LeBron James was there, they were not good. And then they bring in Anthony Davis and then they win in the bubble. And everyone's like, yes, the Lakers are back. It's showtime 2.0. It's the encore. Raise the curtain. And then, you know, like Anthony Davis gets hurt. He's really unreliable. And so I just don't know, first of all, if LeBron James will allow for it first and foremost. And yeah. second of all, if they're willing to let him go at this stage, um, particularly where his health is still kind of in question, obviously Anthony Davis is good. Okay. Like mm-hmm. the Lakers win when he plays well, he gets a double, double, like monster, double, double, they win. But how long can he stay healthy for? And so I think there's a balance here and I'd love to hear your thoughts on it, but there's a balance between proving that he can stay on the floor and then raising that value in order to trade him to get everything that they want to get. I just don't know if they, their PR team is like, we can't go through this again. We can't take an Anthony Davis trade and get a John Collins. And that's, that's our, that's our marquee. Yeah, no, I think you raise a lot of great points. Like I totally agree. I do think the Lakers are too proud, definitely to a fault, right? Like, Mm. you know, like that, none of that is going well, but I also think, that the real issue that I don't think people are talking about enough is Rob Palenka. Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah. he's doing all this talk, like he's the one that actually needs to go. Like the only reason you would ever need to trade Anthony Davis is be and LeBron and or LeBron James mm-hmm. is because you have failed to build around them. 
Like there is nothing wrong with those two as part of a championship core. No, but then you let LeBron, if that if the rumors are to be believed, like I'm not here, the one well, in LA. everything, right? You like tell, he you wanted West. You yeah, tell me yeah. you're in LA. You tell me that's what LeBron <laughs> has. But word on the street is that it's like LeBron working cohesively with him, right? And yeah. so he's like, you know what I want to do? I want to play with all my friends. And then so whoever's executing on it in his behalf, like co-conspirators, if you will. Yeah. Um, so I think that LeBron takes the heat for Rob. So I think you're right. But yeah, like where is the recognition that what you decided to put together ended up being a sandcastle far too close to the tide and it yes. came in and 20 minutes later and everything just disintegrated. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause they gave Palenka an extension too. Yeah. But you know, I, I think it's like, it's going to end up influencing the future of player empowerment. I think, right? Because like I am very pro player empowerment, mm -hmm. but really like it should player empowerment include the the front office <laughs> to this degree. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like we moved on from player coach, the days of old, player coach and like the seventies, yeah. eighties, whatever the case mm -hmm. it be. And now it's just player GM actually. I leave yeah. the court and I go upstairs to my office and I sign a couple pieces of paper and send some emails. Yeah. Yeah, so I think, you know, if whatever LeBron's post-playing career is going to be, I don't know if he's going to have a Jordan-like post-playing career where <clears throat> he ruins a franchise like the Hornets. <laughs> oh, he's already doing that right now with the Lakers. <laughs> he's already doing that. He's doing that before he retires. And I know they just won a title, so I, I think that I would like to at least call myself out for being like, LeBron's ruining this franchise. They just won a title two years ago, the Raptors before that, and I still milk the Raptors 2019 title. So I sure, have sure, to sure, at least sure, acknowledge sure. the fact that I'm being hypocritical in this sense. But the expectations are also higher in LA, and the expectations are also higher for LeBron James regardless absolutely and also you know we're going to talk about kyle later mm -hmm. we you know we have evolved since that team and we didn't put ourselves in a situation where now we're tanking for draft picks and that sort of thing either so we've had a post championship resurgence that is relevant okay all right and i and the lakers they're relevant in that they are noteworthy yeah <laughs> but it's we're talking footnote we're, yeah, talking, we're talking footnote worthy <laughs> which is a very very big difference for those who aren't of the academic persuasion yeah <laughs> which i'm also not i am yeah. a college professor but i'm also not of the academic persuasion we can dive yeah. into that later. yeah well because that's because it's college <laughs> I am not laughing. If anybody Listen, I, I also went to institutions that I work for. I did not think that was funny. Yeah. I also went to film school. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, that was, great. Just, that was just an independent set. That was just downtown Toronto, making it look like it was New York, trying to pass off your film <laughs> as if it was in the Big Apple for half the price of a permit. Oh my God. My student film was so, it's so cringe. Like you don't, you can't even keep that stuff from memories. Like it's so really? bad, but only because you grow as like a person in a, in a storyteller. But I wrote this film about this like couple, like they were like high school lovers and then they lost track of each other. And then they found, they bumped into each other on the street right. and they rekindle and they're going to like, kind of like sneak off together and then they their car crashes and they die <laughs> you know what I'm into, I'm into it you know that's what happens when you're just you're 19 years old and you don't know anything about the world you know what it sounds like to me and i'm not trying to psychoanalyze you here however <clears throat> it's giving it's very much giving like i started writing the script when i was infatuated with somebody new relationship we're dating talking and then by the end of it by the end of my screenplay we broke up and i was just like and they all died <laughs> They fell off a cliff. They burned. It's like, there's no cliffs in Regina. So what are you talking that's, about? That's so funny. And at the time, I was dating this guy. And then he he left me to go back to his ex. But then I found out that they never broke up. <gasps> and he was just cheating on her oh, with me. Look at me just seeing into your soul. That's crazy. Yeah. Wow. 
Ashley docking medium. <laughs> Next time you see me on the side of the street with a set of tarot cards, just know you did it. Yeah. Give me 20 bucks. Don't talk to me unless you're getting a reading. Yeah. Next year's busker fest. <laughs> I don't know where mediums go. Oh I don't know God. how they okay. start out. We've gotten like really off track, but one thing We've about busters, like I feel as though it takes so much courage to go and do something like that. Yeah, I think it it's easy to be like, why is this clown standing on this box dressed in silver paint and only moving when I give him $2? But it's like, that's crazy. Like, yeah, it you is. left your house and you were just committed to the cause, committed to the character. Um, I just like, I, I could, I could never. So like I have yeah. respect for buskers, honestly. Um, I totally agree with you. I did years ago. I was doing standup. I got booked to do some festival, and then mm -hmm. it turned out we were just on the street. <laughs> no joke, on like Dundas Street West, and That's we so tough. and then we had to just do standup to people walking by that. Oh my we're God. not there for stand-up comedy like at all and you're talking like families and kids and stuff yeah. so you're like so it has to be like a clean set too yeah. right no set, no yeah <laughs> yeah and then everybody like every stand-up comedian it's like yeah it's your it's your goal it's your job to get them to stop walking and pay attention to you and That's they all had this like weird chip on their shoulder about it but i was like it's like i don't want to parade these people no that's a lot that's it's very much um exuding mansplaining where it's like oh you think you're funny tell a joke then yeah yeah it's very that tell a joke i was just like <laughs> it's very that i mean i <laughs> i i did well enough i i caught i created a little crowd of course you did and, you and, thank you and yeah. then i was like i was like physically exhausted and then i was like i need to like go home and decompress i'm out yeah i'm, I'm out. out but with all of that being said, I was a would lot. love I would love Anthony Davis to be on <laughs> Anyway, circling back, I would love Anthony Davis to star in one of my screenplays where he's a star-crossed lover who does comedy. And people just yeah. stop because he's tall, but he's actually funny. Yeah, I, I don't think I don't think Anthony Davis would be a good actor, but imagine I'm the one that gets it out of him. Oh, I thought you meant the me cute. Oh, starring him and me? Yeah, like you were heckling him. You suck. And then he's actually funny and you're like, my bad. Hey, aunt. <laughs> That's probably Blake Griffin's like first film. <laughs> like he, he's written that movie. Twice. Twice. Well, he's paid someone else to write it, but it's his idea. <laughs> um, Izzy Davis on the Hawks. <laughs> uh, yeah, we don't think so. I don't think it's going to happen uh unlike what bleacher report has here but yeah. i but it's a fun idea um and also too what they would propose is that like that they might also they're also proposing that the lakers might go after bradley beal but bradley beal's been in trade rumors for like literal years now yeah like it well, feels like eons yeah yeah so i'm also not huge into that but it's fun to ponder i i mean it would be bad for the raptors if anthony davis was healthy and in the eastern conference yeah not bad to the point where i think we could never like beat him but it, it wouldn't be good for us it's just a lot like what's happening now with the lakers right and it happened when uh anthony anthony or, or my my good old friend Anth um was on the pelican i'm remembering that correctly right i feel like it was ten thousand years ago yeah um, it was but it's like in this day and age you can't trade threes for twos as your primary source of income, if you will. And so mm -hmm. when he's playing really well for the Lakers and they're winning, he's getting like 35 and 17. And that's really unsustainable. So to your point, if he were to go to the Hawks and play with someone like Trey, who can put up 50 on his own in the blink of an eye when he gets hot, yes, that would be concerning. <laughs> it would be, it would very much be a problem. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, okay, our other speculative yes. here is, it is, oh yeah, it's that Kevin Durant and the New York Knicks finally come together. This has <clears throat> New York media written all over it. <laughs> is Bleacher Report based in New, New York? 
Um, yeah, aren't they? I they or must they be. In LA. I don't know. Well, they've probably got an office there. Let's <laughs> actually. I I think they're in LA. I don't know. I don't work there, so fair. Neither do I. But basically, they're saying that Brooklyn Nets would trade trade Kevin Durant, <clears throat> Julius Randle, Manuel quickly mm -hmm. and Derrick Rose along with 2023, 2025 and 2027 first round picks. This is never going to happen. No, it's a lot. This is a lot. Why would they move on from Durant? Well, okay, so first and foremost, Durant is one of my favorite players. I not only is he one of the greatest offensive players we've ever seen to ever grace the hardwood. Um he also just keeps it real. And he always has. He's been a weirdo on Twitter since the beginning of time. Mm -hmm. And he's just owned it. He, yeah. The comment that he said about his team where he was like, listen, what do you expect me to do? I'm running out a starting lineup with Nick Claxton. Mm -hmm. And you expect us to win because I'm on the floor. That's just not the way it is. He's like, respectfully, like, it just is what it is. And some people are going to feel a way about that. You can't hang your teammates out to dry, blah, blah, blah. But he's facing down the barrel of a gun every night these other players are not no one has any expectations of them it's him Kyrie but Kyrie's not with the team and Ben Simmons who just like <clears throat> Ben Simmons is Ben Simmons like he has his own saga every single thing with the Nets is so dramatic and I know you didn't ask this but I just need people to understand that they are not having a turnaround as is mm -hmm. You need to stop believing in it. I feel like I'm like yelling at a kid who thinks his parents are going to get back together. It's like they've moved <laughs> on. The family is broken. Stop. I don't know why we're yelling at the kid, but stop holding out hope because they've been nagging all day. Where's my mom? Where there, it's not going to happen, right? Anyway, so <laughs> I just think that I've been swindled, finagled, bamboozled by the nets for long enough where I've given them so many opportunities to put their money where their mouth is. And for whatever reason, despite the top tier talent that the roster does possess, they have been unable to do so. And they're just marred in so much controversy that it's, I, for me, I just feel like it's, it's too far gone. It's too far gone. Durant asked for a trade. So I, he's not happy there, which I understand, but I just, what you outlined, I just don't think. Yeah, no, I completely yeah. agree. And like, you know, you talked about like Nick Claxton, also like Joe Harris has really struggled this season too. So it's not even just like Ben Simmons and the Kyrie stuff. It's like a lot of their supporting cast that's supposed to be able to that's help them offensively is not there. Yeah, their coach isn't there. It is a disaster. And I love like when we look back at this and we think about like the summer when Kevin Durant wanted to be traded and they were like no we're gonna keep him yeah. they they referred to when the lakers kept kobe bryant and were able to win a championship as if that team were dealing with the same amount of turmoil and it's so it's so laughable now you know well, what you, i mean you just never want to put yourself in a position to have to live up to expectations like that like if I learned anything, it's like low expectations, overperforming, not promising 10,000 things that have a million variables that are outside of your control. And that's the thing too. It's like, you can say you're going to do A, B, C, and D, but there are so many moving pieces where it's not like, I'm like, okay, Catherine, I'm going to meet you at 12. That's pretty much within my control to make that promise. But if I'm like, I'm going to meet you on Mars at noon, <laughs> okay, so we've just compared the winning a championship to you meeting me on Mars at, at noon, noon local time. Because well, because I'm always late, so it's not the problem about getting to Mars. It's about <laughs> it's about showing up on time. Moving there at twelve before the reservation gets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll be in the capsule in Mars, <laughs> but will I see you on time? <laughs> Doing my powdering my face. Like <laughs> how much time do I got? Light years? Five light years? Shit oh my god yeah i i agree i don't know what they're gonna do um i think it's hilarious that they think that they would move on from kevin durant if they were going to they would have done it by now um and it's not gonna be the knicks i don't know why 
I don't know what team on earth would look at Julius Randle, Emmanuel Quickly, and Derrick Rose and being like, yep. And, and three yep. and three draft picks and three draft picks one. and be like, yeah, I want it. I'm just going to give up Kevin, De- Kevin How about, Durant how about you keep Julius and just give me Derrick? <laughs> Actually, like, no, 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 no. No, I, I just, yeah, I don't know. I think everybody just like, I think that what's rooted in this aside from like New York media bias is I think everyone's just desperate to see Kevin Durant in a better situation because I think a lot of people feel the way you do. Like they love Kevin Durant. He yeah. is one of the best players we've seen. He does always keep it real. Yeah. And I think a lot of people love those things about him. And it just sucks to see him in this situation that for the most part, aside from being best friends with Kyrie, you know, hasn't really been the cause of a lot of this drama. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think that's where the sympathy lies. It's that it isn't, again, aside from, you know, I kind of... I said this last week, but I was like, Kevin Durant needs new friends. But that's his, that's his big flaw in all of this, yeah. is that he needs new friends. Yeah, that he needs to, he's loyal to, to a fault. Yeah, fair. Um, okay, I also want to talk about John Morant. Um, he is really making an MVP case for himself this year. I know everybody has Luca on their mind and mm-hmm. you know, very well could be Luca when it's all said and done. Not saying that he isn't in this. But I thought it was interesting that, you know, he was criticized uh, for not making his teammates better. And I thought, I thought that was interesting because I wonder, I mean, even if that's true, I just wonder how much that matters. I mean, it's, it's a value that I appreciate when a great team, like when a great player mm-hmm. makes everyone else around them better. But I don't know if it has to be his responsibility to do. Okay. And I just thought that was interesting. I mean, like, I dis- I disagree with that sentiment. We talked about you're saying Kevin Durant needs new friends. I think John Morant's presence is a presence and that everyone on his team is just like, oh, thank God that you're part of our circle, that we're the ones that get to play with you and see you every day because it mm-hmm. seems like he's beloved. There yeah. hasn't been any slander or anything or any even even the internet sleuths haven't found side eye on the bench when he does something like he is that guy. And again, like people are acting like he's 40 points, like he's Gary Trent Jr. stat line, 40 points, no dribbles, <laughs> two turnovers, no assists, no rebounds. <laughs> like, <laughs> he's, John Moran averages nearly seven assists as well as being his team's top scorer. Him just being there puts so much pressure on a defense because not only can he shoot from distance, he can create his own opportunities, he can get out of sticky situations, and he has the vision and athleticism to get to the rack or find somebody who's open. And respectfully to our fellow Canadian, you think you would do an interview with, say, like Dylan Brooks and be like, do you wish you had less time to shoot? Do you wish you had less time to make decisions? And does John Morant allow for you to get that extra time? Yes. Yes, of course. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I just, I don't, I never understood that when somebody is being so fantastic for their team and also well-rounded to say, oh, he needs to make his teammates better. Like what? Yeah, I I agree. I mean, to me, John Morant is like if Allen Iverson passed the ball and could fly, <laughs> like yeah. literally flying. Yeah, there. yeah. You I know, know, like I I think he's such a special player. Uh, I you know last year I called the Grizzlies like my my league pass team, but I you know yeah. John Morant is a league pass just forever guy. Yes, to me that's never gonna change, and. I, you know, I, he, like you said, like he is a good teammate and this whole like notion of like these guys in the past that made their teams better. Like that was always said about like Jordan and, 
maybe i don't remember if people said that about kobe or not but it's like they were very no, no definitely just, not a kobe a kobe young lakers like everyone was like kobe like you're not passing to them you're not helping a, them. a kobe assist was when he missed the ball and someone else got it off the <laughs> basically yeah but i i like that i like that john moran is just very chill about it like i feel like yeah. he doesn't really <laughs> let it get to him even though he is on twitter he does see things for sure but he's not really letting it get to him he's letting the game come to him i think he's just amazing to watch i disagree with this criticism fully and I, he, I think if he doesn't win MVP, I think he could very easily be runner-up in the voting. Interesting. And it's so funny because we things have such a weird way of changing. Um, you mentioned the Knicks earlier. It's like they're having trouble. No one can shoot the three. Evan Fournier has been on the bench, even though he set a franchise record in threes last year. You think about Boston last season, they were just down and out in the basement until they weren't. And so you have someone like John Morant, who everyone's talking about MVP, MVP. My fear is because I am, I do, I do really like him. I am a fan of his. I think he has a great case to make. My fear is that because he's just been the front runner so early and often that people get sick of talking about it. And you know, just as well as I do, that the news cycle always wants to spice it up always wants to mix it up. Someone wants to be the next person to have that epiphany opinion that everyone's like, oh, I never thought about that. Where it's mm. inherently, you're like, maybe sometimes it just is as simple as it seems, right? When you talk about Nikola Jokic, for example, and his MVP candidacy, it's like, yes, did Joel Embiid have an amazing season last year? For sure. But like, Jokic yeah. is transcendent. He, like, he's everything he does is so elite at every single part of the game. So maybe Jaws the one who kind of like stops that narrative because he does these things where an inbounds pass steal is a highlight that we're seeing on SportsCenter. When he times it, turns around, flies, like you says, catches it in the air like an NFL receiver and comes down with the ball. Like, what? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, yeah, Jaw for MVP. I support this. I'll put out, I'll put out lawn signs. I, uh, you know, I don't, I didn't put this on our, on our list today, but, uh, Shay Gilchrist Alexander had some MVP chance this week. I'm sorry. I don't mean to laugh. He's not going to win MVP, but no, I think it's nice it's that he's having gonna, next year. No, but the Raptors will have Thad Young on the, the and Chan MVP Chan MVP because he had 10 and eight. And yeah. you're like, yes, we love a fan base that yeah. loves their own. Yes, but no. Oh. No, but I will say I really hope that uh, – I hope he becomes an all-star this year. I love Shay. And yeah. I think uh, as, you know, Raptors fans, we're on the East Coast, our Western Conference votes. I feel like we should give Shay some love. Yeah. I think that would be nice. Yeah. That's all. That's the, that's the beginning and end of my <laughs> Shay all-star case. <laughs> I reclaim my time. Thank you. Um, okay. Kyle Lowry returned to okay. Toronto. It was fun to see him as always. Um, the Heat, however, are struggling this season. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of talk about, you know, that the Heat need to move on from Kyle Lowry um, or they need to make some trades or do something to be back in championship contention. Because, mm -hmm. I mean, the standings are um, – sorry, I'm going to Google this on the spot – the NBA standings in the Eastern Conference are very close. Um, yes. You know, it is early in the season, but they're not currently in the playoff picture. They're currently 10th. Yeah. Um, so that's like bottom of the play-in. No one wants to see the Miami Heat in the play-in. I'll say that. I don't think you'd want to be facing them if you were the uh, Washington Wizards. Stop. Why'd you have to say it like that? <laughs> was it too shady? Yeah, it was. <laughs> it was very shady. And don't act like you don't know what you're doing. You understand tone. You understand inflection. Please. Please. Washington Wizards. <laughs> okay, but am I wrong? I hate Harry Potter. But am I wrong? I mean, if I had to put $50 down on who would win that play-in game, 
I would certainly- You're betting on the Wizards? No, I would certainly be in South Beach. <laughs> okay, okay. So we're both saying the same thing. No, we decided to say it with $50. <laughs> yeah. What <laughs> money we're betting yeah uh okay fair i was being shady that's fine i i could accept that uh if any washington wizards fans want to come at me that's fine um but how do we feel about miami heat situation and do we want to see kyle in a different situation as people who love him so much so unpopular opinion (laughs) love it I you want him to go to the Wizards. I see. I get you. I see you. I want him to go to the Magic for leaving us. Okay, I'm petty. Okay, so I am very fickle when it comes to these repetitive narratives. I love Kyle Lowry. I think his story in terms of how he came to be an all-star and NBA champion is fantastic. And quite frankly, might be a little miraculous because that's just not how careers go, generally speaking, for somebody who's his stature and who historically his caliber of player until he really kind of blossomed in Toronto was. So I love everything about that for him. I love what he did for the city, but I am so tired of Oh, he's welcome home. Welcome home. Kyle versus old team. Kyle versus old team. It's just like, listen, we have work to do and he's a distraction. (laughs) You need to (laughs) put that away. Get that sentimentality out of here. And let's talk about Scotty Barnes. Let's talk about Fred Van Vliet. Let's talk about what's happening in our house. You know what I mean? Stop peering out the window looking at what your neighbors are doing, pretending to iron plants because you're being nosy about what's going on in someone else's front yard. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I think Um, you're getting a window into what your student film would have been. (laughs) (laughs) A mixture of like Law and Order and you. (laughs) And I don't know which character I am. I think I'm more so Joe. Um, But I, uh, so with that being said, the thing that makes me sad about Kyle Lowry's departure from Toronto, and I understand why it had to happen. And I don't think it was a bad thing that happened, but it makes me sad that it seems as though he's now set up to be, to end his career as like a journeyman, as opposed to a Haslam who just camped out in Miami, was a lifer, now is kind of the uncle that everyone loves to hate, goes to with whatever issue, probably beats your ass in cards or dominoes or whatever they're playing on the plane, right? (laughs) But the difference I obviously am going to say is is the skill level, the talent level. Kyle Lowry was obviously worth $85 million. So they executed the sign-in trade. I get it. But it still just makes me sad that now we're having conversations like that. Does he need to move on from the heat? <clears throat> Do the heat need to move on from him? Is he going to find another home? What does that look like in two years from now? What does that look like towards the end of his career? Does he come back to Toronto on like a sweetheart deal? Um that's the, that's the only thing, but I obviously understand him securing the bag. Yeah, I hear you. I mean, and he said he wants to end his career in Toronto. Yeah. So you know, even if it's like on a ten day or something, and that will the nine oh five. No, you didn't. <laughs> Bobby's like, no, we love you. We're mad that you forced us into this because you wanted to. Like, Here's a, a little nine oh five jersey. We'll see you in Saga City. Thanks, Kyle. I listen. If Kyle got sent to the nine oh five, he would. It, <laughs> Twitter. I can't even imagine Twitter. You know what though? Tickets would be so accessible for the people that actually are like the real ride or die fans. Imagine that you look at the the after sale market or the the resale market, and you're just like, oh, the nine oh five ticket is six thousand dollars. <laughs> They're worse than Taylor Swift. <laughs> yeah, like I'm confused. I'm confused. Um, yeah. um, but I listen, I love this sentiment of moving on because I've been feeling that way about every time DeMar DeRozan comes back. Oh, thank you. It's like it's getting to be a bit much now. Like he was traded in 2018. Like it's 20, it's the end of 2022 now. 
And I love, you know, the loyal, I love the loyalty to a certain degree. I love that Toronto is a city that doesn't just turn on their guys. And I was, I actually yeah. am wondering how you feel about this because I'm not very in tune with many people who are like super, super fanatics or like really involved in fan fandom outside of Toronto. I have a few friends from Philly and they're a very special breed of sports fan themselves. But I feel like Toronto Raptors fans they don't hate anybody on this team. They will make an excuse for almost everybody mm-hmm. on this team all the time. And I love that loyalty. But also, to some degree, you have to kind of let it well, go. Well, that's, that's what – I mean, that's what being a homer is. No, but even so, still, right? like, some fan bases will hate that guy. They're like, get this bum out of here. Why is he touching the floor after a game – that like a yeah. bad game from Colombo. Well, we do. Well, we do have these like I, I was calling them last week panic fans. Okay. Right. So we we don't have like like you're saying like critical like this person isn't playing to the degree we need them to play. You know we should trade them. But we'll have people where who are just like oh my god like we won games without Fred Van Vliet we should trade Van, Fred yeah. Van Vliet like those kinds of fans you yeah, know. Yeah uh and yeah we tend to panic more it's just our toronto neurosis i think than than like new york neurosis that's like you know i don't want to do a fake new york accent don't i wouldn't suggest it but yeah they (laughs) (laughs) yeah new york in my mind i pictured someone doing the get this garbage out of here thing but i was like i'm not gonna do that oh you wanted to do a jack armstrong a jack armstrong Go ahead. It's fine. No, I can't do it. I can't do it. You, you'll give me space. You have the power to edit it out. Yeah, no, no, no. We'll move on. We'll move on. We'll move on. Do, I don't do impressions. But yeah, no, you're right. Like I, that is our Toronto neurosis. We're very yeah. sentimental. Um, you know, very sentimental. Like, even, like, before when we won the championship and we're having all that statue talk, yeah, I yeah, was yeah. like, let's just do statues of everybody, the whole team. I think, because to me, that's so fun. And we should scatter them across the city. Across the city. But then yeah. some people won't forgive Vince Carter. Yeah. Well, here's, okay, this is a bit, this is a bit of a deeper conversation into fandom. Uh, but I think, oh no, am I, okay, I'm going to go here and just get lit up in the comments probably. But it, I feel that for men, they, in society, we don't give them enough emotional outlets. And then that's why it all goes into sports, right? Like yeah. sports fans are rationally emotionally invested. Mm-hmm. That is the economy of sports, right? So then it's like, when they don't, it's like, no, I'm not forgiving Vince Carter or any of those things. To but me, they really I'm mean, just, they really mean Sheila from, from year one of undergrad. Exactly. That's where I'm going with this. Exactly. Yes. Yes. That's exactly what's happening. Or yes. you and I have other outlets, so we're good. <laughs> yeah. Like the, our next screenplay. <laughs> We're we forgiving ourselves off a cliff. We have short films and screenplays. <laughs> we have daily journals. Yeah, we have journals. We have crystals. We have white wine. You know, we've got a lot yes, of yes. We have a I lot of other things. All jokes aside, like you're absolutely right because you know what? When I was watching Love Is Blind three, the reunion, yeah. SK <laughs> said that he's like he. First of all, he was found out to be a fraud, and he was cheating on his fiance and all those. Oh. <gasps> Oh, spoiler alert. However, I'm like midway through the season. I'm so sorry. It's fine. I don't, I'm not, I don't, I don't care watch it. Again, but, um, I have other outlets. The one, the one thing that he said was that it was the first time in his life that he was in a situation where there was just a group of men who were okay and like safe to share their feelings with each other. Oh, right. Any, like yeah, no holds yeah. barred, whatever. Um, so it kind of just reminded me of that. But yes, I agree. I agree with that. But you know what? I'm, in this case, I'm kind of fine with it. Bottle it up, gents, because I love I love it. I love the irrationality that I could just look at on Twitter and be like, are you unwell? <laughs> Bottle it up and unleash it. Just not at me, please. But at your favorite sports team, for sure. Burn a jersey. Let's Bottle it. it up, gents. <laughs> That's a universal statement. That's a nice salad dressing. 
that's takeout from a restaurant. Oh my God. That's liquor on the street. Bottle it up. Wow. Cue the that emotional damage kid. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I'm not here to take on that baggage. No, and neither. Well, I suppose I am on in again in the comments. What else right, am I right, going right. to do? All right. Um, all right. But it's, you know, it is still always good to see Kyle. Um, but I do agree. I think to some at some point we do need to move on a little bit from the sentiment and just focus on who we have. And I think for the most part we are. I mean, I think everyone is very excited for for this team in this season. I will say. Um, OK, what else is my Raptors topic? Looking back at the Larry trade. Oh, yeah. So I read this article <laughs> about, you know, how we've kind of come on top since the Lowry trade. Oh, yeah. Because yes. I, th I think, well, that's the question. Did we win it? Because, of course, we got Precious Achua and yeah. we got Goran Dragic, which didn't work out, but we were able to flip that for Thad Young. Yeah. I think the problem that people have with this to be, un to be unable to call it an unequivocal win is the the draft pick that went with grumpy Dragic. Right. Um, that people are like, Oh my God, it was a first, I believe. So people, people don't really love that, for example. But the one thing that I'm always adamant about is that you, there is a certain element of risk when it comes to draft picks. And I think because the Toronto Raptors have had so much success in finding these diamond in the roughs or building players into at least reliable, serviceable guys that they've found in the draft and had them play kind of ab above their station where people were predicting that they would be, that everyone seems to think that it's going to be a no-brainer that this pick is going to end up being something useful. I am of the mindset that a current asset um, that you have seen actual glimpses of is more valuable than like a, a mid-range draft pick. Of course, if we're talking first overall, like lottery stuff like that, that's different. Yeah, but we're not talking about a top 13. No, we're not. We're talking about is Precious Achua going to be somebody who has a low floor when he can find some consistency and the potential to have a high ceiling because he still is so young, right? But he's athletic. He's tall. He's defensive minded. Can he can make layups now? Because when he first got here, it was like, a, oh, my guy, what are you yeah, yeah. doing? What are you doing? Yeah. And then also he has someone who's fickle like Nick Nurse. I know he's your favorite guy in the world, but and he, he's kind of straight away from it for a little while. But he was not shy for a long time about talking to the media and kind of airy, airing dirty laundry about what was going on in house. I need this guy to do this straight up. I've had this conversation with him and I'm kind of putting him on blast and challenging him in the public spectrum to be better and he just did that with precious unfortunately precious obviously got hurt his ankle um is is mashed up and hopefully he'll be he'll be back sooner rather than later injury but report ankles mashed up <laughs> just mashed up but yeah i think that it's still a win for toronto because at the end of the day you weren't going to pay 85 million dollars for kyle you just weren't and not what, at this stage in his and, you, and what he did was he gave the blueprint to somebody in Fred Van Vliet and to a degree Pascal Siakam, OG Ananobi on how to get it done. His fingerprints and his impact are still all over this team. And there might not be guys who have the penchant for drawing fouls and taking charges and have that kind of sixth sense about things that Kyle really did have that made him special. But you have someone like OG Ananobi who's leading the league in steals. And Kyle was always handsy, you know, getting his hands on the ball, stuff like that. I don't want to start any unheard un rumors. But yeah, then you have Fred Van Vliet <laughs> who's doing the exact same thing. And then you have guys like Chris Boucher somehow. He's like taking a charge, taking 10,000 seconds to hit the ground because he's so tall. So you have those sprinkles of, of Kyle's anatomy throughout the team. And so it ended up being something, in my opinion, that, that, that did work out for the Raptors. Yeah, I absolutely love that. And I completely agree with you. And yeah, I mean, also too, like, you know, that Tampa season as terrible as it was, I mean, it brought us Scotty Barnes. So yeah. that was worth it. That was worth sitting through. My God, I never want to, <laughs> I'm never going to be nostalgic for the Tampa season. So that's that way. was the edit of Russell Westbrook yelling at kids in the empty venue. Remember that? <laughs> 
No, I must have blocked that. Out of well, my he obviously mind wasn't yelling at kids, but he he made a play. He like got hype about it, and then they cut away to like the the moms and kids section, and there's just like kids eating candy and parents like holding their babies, and it just looks like he's he's not yelling at them, but it just the cutaway looks like oh my God. in an empty Disney World that he's like, I know that's right. Wow. And the kids are just like, mm, Russell? Well, if there's any internet sleuths who can find that, that would be an amazing deep dive to, to find. To it to you. Oh, I my God. Cool. Yeah, I love that so much. Um, you know, you're talking about the love of my life, Nick Nurse. Um, Nick Nurse, a hottie highlight of the week. Not entirely sure I have one this week. Wow, you're <laughs> slipping. I'm this slipping. I, I last week I was talking about how Will Hardy, the head coach of the Utah Jazz, is like such a hottie. Okay, he's, o- he's only 34, which wow. like hurts, frankly. Um, <laughs> Let's see where just, he is in life. <laughs> at, 30, at 34, at 34, sir. I mean, that's accomplished. Yes, yes. You know, you're accomplished. I'm accomplished. I think but you're I'm not. Will but, I'm not thir- but I'm not 34. Yeah. Who is these days even? Yeah. Who is 34? <laughs> <laughs> but I will say that, um, and I said this last episode, but um, Nick Nurse is doing uh, another coaching summit in person okay. for people who are coaches in like other school rankings or other recreational leagues if you are a certified basketball coach you can go to the coaching summit and he does like a very long q a with people and i think that's cool that he does that and i believe it's november 29th or no not this weekend the following weekend so that's the 25th yeah so definitely check that out if that's something you're involved with i do think you need to actually be a coach like you need some sort of certification but again if you're crafty if you're crafty i'm sure you can work around it i i'm not that types of arts and crafts are you talking about forgery um yes i am not a forgery i'm not that type of arts and crafts Anyway, Nick Nurse ends all his coaching summits. So anyway, here's Wonderwall. Yeah. Yeah. I should just, I should do, what I should do with this segment is just talk about what Will Hardy is doing and then just say, I wish Nick Nurse was doing it too. But when I started the segment, it was like, because I started this show like in 2020 and mm-hmm. like, or like pre pandemic. And it was like, all the coaches are still wearing like suits. And he always had these yeah. like very interesting fits. Yes. Yes. So I would always talk about Nick Nurse's fits, and now that you know we're like years into these horrendous polos, that's the okay. So thank you. It's just been hard. I need it to end. The polos need to end. I need it to stop. Like I get it in the bubble. Maybe it was hard to pack. Not everyone can pull it off. Here's the thing: a quarter zip. It looks really nice on some people. I think some people can like wear it well, fill it out in certain areas, but some people just aren't meant for that life. Like I'm not meant for polo shirt life. I have a broad back and I have no shape from the front. And so it just is not, it's just not flattering. No, it's fine. It's fine. Me and my friend, my friend, we're just team no shape from the front. It's just slender vibes. Turn from the side. You're like, ha ha. But a polo (laughs) is not. My point is, is that people need to dress for their bodies and all bodies are different. And I am with you that I don't love quarter zips for everybody. Yeah. Like, I don't want to say messy, but like casual, like get them in the basketball uniform. Yeah. It's too casual. Get them in the basketball uniform with one sleeve and a dry fit tight underneath. Get Nick Nurse walking up and down the floor in Steph Curry fours or whatever number he's on for his sneaker. That's what I want in my life. Stephanie <laughs> Fours? No, I want no. basketball coaches to wear basketball uniforms like baseball coaches. Oh my God. That would be funny. That, I mean? would, that would be worse. <laughs> that would be so much worse. Do you imagine Popovich in that? You don't want to see Popovich with like a headband on and, a, and a, an XL basketball. I mean, I do, but I don't know if I wish that on him. I, you know, like, I 
I do agree with you in terms of like, you know, not all fits are good. Like I don't wear, I talked about this before. I don't wear jerseys because they make mm-hmm. me look really boxy. Like they just don't suit me, but yeah. I want the, but I want the Jersey dress to come back. You do. Cause I could rock a Jersey dress. If so it were longer, I would look so get much a big jersey and get it tailored. No, but I'm a big girl. There is no big jersey I could just tailor. It you has to be physically do. longer. So what I got for my 16th birthday was a sewing machine because I am <clears throat> low-key the home ec girl. So you are arts and crafts. <laughs> I am artsy, yes. Um, <laughs> and I sew my project. <laughs> my teacher's like, all right, you guys need to turn one item of clothing into something else. Mm. And because I was like that girl, I turned my friend's Boston Celtics jersey into a tank top and a skirt. And we used, I'm, t- I'm telling you this because you use a, a different fabric panel to widen it on the side. So the full jersey's intact, but you get something that would just be like down the side. Or you could do like a shoelace, like a thick fat farm shoelace. So you could use it like a corset to really Right, cinch. right. Okay, that's very interesting. <laughs> I I might need two jerseys to pull that off. <laughs> And you know what? If that's the case, that's fine. Yeah, that's why not? Why not? It's 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 an old Tracy McGrady and an old Vince Carter. Oh, the number so on the back is one one five somehow. <laughs> like area code. Do you remember area code? <laughs> I feel like that was really a thing, like with the five hundred four boys back. In yeah, the- yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're familiar with that genre. Yeah. Um, anyway, <laughs> Ashley. What an amazing time. This is a very silly off the rails episode, but I absolutely love it. Yeah, Uh, It's going to be fantastic. I mean, it's coming out on a Friday. So, you know, it's a great way to get into the weekend with. Um, For people listening and not watching on YouTube, uh, let us know where they can find you on the internet and just what you're up to in general. So OnlyFans slash, no, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> they can find me in the, the deep, dark corners of the web. Um, I'm on. Imagine we had OnlyFans, but it was just this podcast. <laughs> just the biggest swindle. In the so disappointing. In pajamas and robes done up to our neck in the middle of the winter, <laughs> drinking a tea. Um, <laughs> so with a mask on of some kind, a charcoal mask. Um <laughs> <laughs> so you can find me at Smart Ash, S-M-R-T-A-S-H on Twitter, or just my name on TikTok and Instagram, Ashley Docking. Amazing. Thank you so much for being with me this week. Thanks for having me. It was so good. Uh, yes. Yes. Oh gosh. And also just like men, don't bottle up your feelings. <laughs> Actually talk to somebody because it's it's problematic. I just want to add that in there. They made it this far. And before I get canceled. And before it becomes a thing where it's like, Ashley doesn't care about men's feelings. It's like, well, but also someone does. Someone does. does. No, men don't bottle up your feelings. Have a healthy relationship with sports. Yes. And with everything else. Agreed. Confirmed. Yeah. Love it. Okay. Till next time. Bye.